grace, mercy, and peace to you in the name of the light of the world, Jesus Christ. Amen. As I begin this morning, I just want to start off the way actually Pastor Mark started on Christmas Eve and just say thank you. Uh, thank you for all your love and prayers uh, over the past few weeks. Uh, as many of you know, my wife Lauren and I uh, tested positive for COVID, and thankfully our symptoms were really mild. But as you can imagine, it kind of added some interesting uh, days and nights to our uh, Christmas and New Year's and all that good stuff. But uh, we felt so loved by all of your thoughts and prayers and cards. And so uh, I just want to say on behalf of us, uh, we're so blessed by all of you. And so thank you. But can you believe now that we are already entering week two of 2022? I mean, it, it, a lot of twos there, but it's kind of hard to believe. And maybe it's, of course, because, you know, I was in quarantine for the end of the year into the new year. And so got the little fogginess in the brain and everything. But it's hard to believe that one week is already gone. And I mean, here we are in week 22. And I mean, if you looked around, you would say, yeah, the holiday seasons are kind of behind us. People are moving forward, right? I mean, uh, most of you, if not all of you, are back to work, whether that's working from home or back in the office. Kids have gone back to school, though that was a little delayed because we've already got snow. And I mean, welcome to 2022, right? Snow already. And then, of course, uh, if you look around, you would see that some people, I wouldn't call them this, but you might call them this, I wouldn't, but some people you might call heathens have already taken down their Christmas lights. I mean, we're just moving right along here, just pushing things along, right? And I think uh, the lights going away is kind of that like final marker for all of us, right? I mean, like we said, we've still got our decorations out here, but it would seem that, you know, once the lights are packed away, we're just moving forward, things are kind of going ahead, and then things tend to get a little bit darker. However, of course, here at church, there's still some holiday joy and cheer with our star and our manger and our scene. And of course, that's because we're celebrating another holy day, the celebration of Epiphany. And Epiphany is a word that means appearing or shining forth. And it's the season that takes place every year in our liturgical church calendar right after Christmas. And it picks up on a very specific theme that it shares with Christmas, the theme of light. And light, of course, is something that really marks the Christmas season. And as the lights grow, we get closer and closer to Christmas, right? I mean, it starts out with those light displays and all the advertisements and things like that in October. And you all know how I feel about that. But then people decorate their houses, right? And some people do the simple candle in the window. Other people go for the full-blown display on the lawn and all that good stuff. And then, of course, we draw closer and closer. And you've got stadiums that decorate the entire place where people can walk through or drive through different light displays. Because I think there's just something joyful and light about the lights. Like, it's an exciting thing to do. It's a good experience. And all of that comes with this culmination, this celebration of the light of the world being born on Christmas. And then just like that, we kind of move forward, right? Uh, Christmas was over, Christmas Day was two weeks ago. Christmas, the season ended three days ago. And it seems like the light has kind of gone away. But here today, God's word invites us right back to that manger scene, but in a different kind of way. See, uh, God invites us to experience the light once again, the light that remains when it seems dark, the light that remains when there is no other light. Epiphany invites us into this experience, this wonderful celebration of the perfect light, the light of the world. And I've been thinking a lot about that phrase lately, the perfect light, uh, for one reason, of course, because 
It's the line that comes from that epiphany hymn that we usually sing during Christmas, We Three Kings of Orient Are. And if you don't know it by its title, you probably know the chorus at least, right? Star of wonder, star of light, star with royal beauty bright. Westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. And as I was singing this chorus to myself over the past few days and listening to it in, in all different kinds of versions because the song's been rewritten and adjusted and adapted and all those things, I began to wonder if that's what it was like for the Magi that we heard about in the Gospel of Matthew. Were they singing that song on that night so long ago when they first followed that star? As they journeyed through the desert and they followed that star that was in the sky, it kind of made me wonder, is that what they were doing? Were they singing along this incredible journey? And it's interesting because I think more often than not, we usually refer to them as the wise men. And so they may seem wise because they followed that star, but really following the star would have just been something that they would have done in their daily lives. See, uh, in scripture, the thing that we are told about these men, the word that's used to describe them is not a word that means wisdom, but a word that means or can be translated magician or astrologist or sorcerer even in some translations. So uh, the wisdom, so to speak, that these men had was really just a wisdom of the world. Kings thought they were wise, rulers thought they were wise because they studied the sun and the moon and the stars and so they could try and predict the future and so that's why we would often refer to them speaking as wise men. But in the context of actually being wise or, or following that star, I mean, you may even refer to them as like masters of the dark arts. Really, they were following that star because that's kind of what they did. If anything, that star would have looked different and would have been special, and they, so they kind of identified it as, hmm, that could be a star that identifies the birth of a king. So let's follow it. They weren't following the star because they were wise. They were following it because that's just what they did. It's literally part of their lives, part of their experience. I mean, Essentially, kind of in today's world, these guys weren't anything more than the people you'll see at like the mall kiosk or on the boardwalk who are telling you to give them your palm and $5 and then they'll tell you about your future, right? These guys were kind of modern day horoscope writers. They followed the stars, they told you some things about them and then you went on with your life. That's what they did. They, they were just following this star. And as we're told this journey of following the star, all of a sudden the details begin to get a little muddy. And it's not really as glamorous as we often sing about it, right? I mean, that song we sing is filled with joy and excitement, but their journey wasn't. I mean, for starters, they were in the east having to come all the way west, whatever that distance might have been. But journeying, of course, is just long back in those days, right? And so they're traveling east with all, they're traveling west with all these gifts. And when they finally arrive in Jerusalem, where they think the star has stopped, I mean, they're stuck there. And the first thing they do is they go to this guy and they say to him, we're here to worship the newborn king of the Jews. But the guy that they went to is the guy who claims to be the current king of the Jews. And as far as he's concerned, he didn't have a child. Not that he knew about anyway. Right? So uh, these, these wise men come to this city and without even realizing it, they set off this chain of events. Right? We have the perspective. We know that what happens next is Herod, this king that they go to, sends out a search party and wants everyone to know where has this baby been born so that he can take care of him, so to speak. All of a sudden, this, this journey that began by following this great light is seemingly being filled little by little with darkness. 
And of course, to add to this confusion and this messiness for these guys and their story, they were going to pay homage to the newborn king of the Jews, which wouldn't have really meant much for them specifically. Uh, See, uh, they thought that if it was just the king of the Jews, they were really just being nice when they were going to pay homage to him. It wasn't anything more than uh, like when your neighbor gives you Christmas cookies even though they're celebrating Hanukkah. Essentially, this was just like a nice gesture. Oh, we're going to follow the star to see this king, but they didn't know of any impact that it would have on their own lives the way that the Jewish people once felt. And so uh, there's just this interesting situation here. These men, they weren't there on that first night. They weren't there at the manger scene when Jesus was born. They arrive later. So this whole situation just has all these different moving parts that don't actually always add up when we hear, and that's why the story comes later, because that's when the wise men came. And I wonder what it was about that star that made it so different. Why that star? What, what stood out for them? These men who studied the stars and the moon, what was it about that star that they thought they should follow it? I mean, usually we don't ask these questions ourselves because, well, we have the perspective. We kind of know the answer already. But if we put ourselves in their shoes, that must have been something that they wondered. What was it about this star? What was this star leading them to? And as I consider these questions, I begin to think perhaps they weren't singing with the great joy that we sing with today. I mean, for those men following that star that had led them to unfamiliar places where darkness was kind of looming and lurking all around with them not even knowing what was going on, the events that they were setting on. And when they would finally arrive, they would have to go and search again because they were still asking questions about where this newborn king was born, where the star had led them to. And it's not until finally, when they arrive, that instead of seeing this star as the brightest thing they've ever seen, they lay their eyes on a newfound light, a baby, wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. This light of the world that would now lead them, no longer by a star, but rather by this baby. These shepherds, uh, these, these wise men who had walked in great darkness would now find uh, Mary and Joseph and the shepherds who had already been there. These guys were kind of late to this party and yet now this light, this perfect light was there before their eyes. We can only imagine what it must have been like for them. For, for the first time in their lives, after walking in in deep darkness, after perhaps playing in the dark arts, after thinking and studying about all the sun, moon, and stars, this was the light that was different. This light was the light that was going to change their lives. And they didn't even know it yet. But that's what it must have been like for them to experience this perfect light. And in the same way that perfect light changes their lives, it changes ours too. You know, I'm not entirely sure what the past year was like for you, and I don't know what your future is going to be like, though if you give me your palm, I'll just shake it for you and tell you Jesus is going to be in your life, right? But here's the thing I can tell you. I know that there are going to be some moments of light, and there's also going to be some moments of darkness, Because the thing about darkness is that it presents itself in all different kinds of ways in our lives. Uh, Darkness sometimes looks like 
death and despair and illness. Uh, Darkness sometimes looks like anxiety and depression and addiction. Darkness sometimes looks like hatred and injustice and violence and racism. Darkness rears its ugly head in all different ways and experiences in our lives. And what the darkness wants you to do is believe that there is no light. And because we live in a world that is full of sin, the reality is there will always be some darkness to it. But in the midst of that world, in the midst of whatever darkness you're currently facing, whatever darkness you may come across, whatever darkness you have in your past, God's promise to you is this. This is what he says about the light. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. That is what the perfect light does. That is what Jesus does. He is the perfect light that overcomes the darkness. The same way that we hear on Christmas Eve, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. On them the light has shone. That same light that is Jesus that shines on those people of Israel now shines on the Gentiles, shines on the Magi, the outsiders, me and you, people who have been welcomed into this radical life-changing grace. This radical light that shines on all people that breaks through the darkness, Uh, the light, the perfect light of Jesus that makes the darkness tremble. Even on uh, the darkest of nights, the night on which he hung on a cross, the light of Jesus was still shining because in him there is no darkness at all. That is who Jesus is. That is who this perfect light is. And what that means for me and for you is that there is no darkness that the light of Jesus cannot reach. There is no darkness in your life that the light of Jesus cannot and will not overcome for you. That is his promise to me and to you, that his light shines upon us, that it covers us, and it is so perfect, we can't even fully comprehend it. And in the midst of that perfect light, he shines his perfect grace upon us. And that perfect grace pours out over and over and over again. That even where there is darkness, it no longer seems dark because he is the light that breaks through the darkness. And so in the moments when darkness uh, tries to rear its ugly head, I want you to remember uh, something that Pastor Mark told us on Christmas Eve, a simple phrase, give me some light. I think it's something that we've probably all said to one another in one way or another. And don't be surprised when Jesus shows up when the light shows up in your life in all different kinds of ways, whether it's through the loved one sitting next to you, uh, maybe through a song that you sing that reminds you about the light, maybe even through gathering here in the presence of the one true light. Give me some light and watch the light appear in your life. As we continue through this new year, uh, my hope and my prayer for you is that you're continually drawn to the perfect light. That you watch and see, whether through a song, through a loved one, or here through the family of God, the light of the world shines in you, over you, and through you. That the perfect light that is Jesus gives you his perfect love, his perfect grace, his perfect mercy, and it pours out upon you and goes with you wherever you may go. For me and you and for all the light of the world. For the world to see it 
The light is on display because Jesus is the perfect light. And his light will shine now and forever. So happy Epiphany. Uh, may the light of the world that shines in you and through you continue to lead you, no matter what darkness may lie ahead. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.